Hey, Blockheads, welcome to episode 12 of the Writer's Block Podcast. We did it. We made it to an even dozen. Or if you're a baker, one less than a dozen. My guest is Phil Rosenthal. Sorry, my special guest is Phil Rosenthal. Phil, of course, was the creator and executive producer of a little show called Everybody Loves Raymond, the mid-90s Brad Garrett vehicle that ended up making Ray Romano a household name. Who knew? Who saw it coming? He's also the author of You're Lucky, You're Funny, How Life Becomes a Sitcom, which if you haven't read it and you're not reading it right now, you should read it immediately. And then there's Exporting Raymond, an amazing documentary Phil made about trying to help produce the Russian version of Raymond. If you haven't seen that and you're not watching it right now, you should watch it immediately. Unless you're reading his book, finish that first, then watch the movie. But only after you listen to the podcast. Priorities, people! Phil's accomplishments are obviously uncommon, but very well-deserved. And I'm not just kissing his ass. I don't need to. Not after I got him to say this. Check it out. I'd hire you right away. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. And I have that on tape, by the way. I would? I'd hire you right away. You heard him. So I'll have to double-check that. He might have been talking about yard work. I was thrilled to talk with Phil. He's truly, he's like a technician of the art of situation comedy. And he shares what he knows with the enthusiasm of a kid in a candy shop that's inside a toy store that you have to take a roller coaster to get to. This is a man who clearly loves what he does. We talk about the importance of story and characters, how and why he picked the storyline for the pilot episode of Raymond. He shares an amazing story about meeting David Letterman for the first time. Letterman's company produced Raymond and Phil had to sort of interview with them. It's crazy. Don't miss it. And we close it all out with some straightforward advice about what you can do to become a better writer. Turns out the secret is to not limit yourself to writing. Don't miss any of this. It's great stuff and it's right here as usual on the writer's block, which you are a part of. So let us do this. assumed that something would come of it but he had to go out and get the money and you know what it takes to make a movie so it's it not a, yeah yeah um it's so, the worst part so we found out about it and he and he said the scripts floating around so i just I, I didn't get my hands on it before i came out here and i had a bunch of stuff to do out here anyway so uh, i'll read it when i get back it'll be interesting are you here on sunday uh no you're Why, gone already yeah you could come to movie night What's moving? A movie night here at the Rosenthal it's very Palace? Good. It's very good. Nice. What are you watching? Uh, I got... Um, movie night started when I was in high school, and, and uh, uh, it was just when HBO came out when I was a teenager. Oh, man, that's big. It was the only time that you could watch an uncut, uncensored film. Uh-huh. Wasn't right? Showtime out already, though? No. Oh, HBO thought... was the first. Oh, it was the first. Okay. That was, it, and it for, you're, I guess, much younger. But No, no. I'm 48. Okay, so you're not much younger. Mm-hmm. A little bit younger. Mm-hmm. But remember, when that came, that sure, was a big, big... Every Saturday night, a new movie. And, and if there were boobs, this was like everything. Yeah. You know, to see this in your house, uncut, it was the only way. No v, Remember, no VCR. Right. No other place to get, see it in your house. No right. no this. No. So I would have my friends over and order pizza. And so it just evolved through college where I ran the program board films. And then... Uh, when VCRs came out after college and then I was uh, in a little apartment in Washington Heights and have friends over and eat pizza right. and then move out here 
television's a little bigger. Laser disc. <laughs> laser disc. Did you have a laser disc? Of course. My mom got one of those. Yes. The highest quality. Highest possible quality. Highest possible quality. But it, here's, here's what the laser disc is really famous for. The extras. The, it was the first time you could have the director's commentary. Oh, interesting. Couldn't get that on a VCR. Ah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It would have to be, maybe you'd get a little short about the thing. But this was, I mean, the Laserdisc for Tootsie is probably the best lesson, the best comedy class you could have. And they don't have that on the DVD? Nope. Interesting. It was Why the not? Criterion Collection, which, which, you know, funded these things like getting Sidney Pollack to do the running commentary. And I'm telling you, if you can get your hands on that or even just an audio of it, it's, it's a lesson in a box. And it's Sidney Pollack talking about yeah. making Tootsie. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Yeah. Lesson in the box. Absolutely great. That, uh, that advice there from uh, Mr. <laughs> Phil Rosenthal. Hello. Hello. Joining us on the uh, Writer's Block podcast. And thank you very much for that, for having me uh, in your home. I, I, I enjoy it. Trusting that I won't trash the place. I, I have two that. big dogs, so don't try anything. Oh, I saw, yeah. the, I saw the Italian dog warning on your door. <laughs> right under the... <laughs> wait, the wait, wait. It's a very classy way of telling you to watch out. <laughs> right. It's very Italian, so it feels like way of saying my dog's going to bite your as leg. My, as my ass is being yeah. ripped into. Well, and then of course it was the, an Italian. Then, of course, the dog bites you, and then you say, that's not my dog. <laughs> That's right. From the Pink Panther. Yeah, you go with the oh, classics. I love it. While we're at it, we may as well say hi to Susie Meister, who's no doubt oh, listening. Oh, she's lovely. Isn't she, though? Is she a friend of yours? She. I'm the episode right after you. She said I'm I'm her next husband. That's right. Is this a good job to have? Next I, I, I don't... I, I've never met her outside of the same way that you have, I but just, she took to you much quicker than me. She seems to be fond of me, but yeah. she, she didn't mention marriage. My wife has a message for Susie, which is, <laughs> I have to, but you... <laughs> that's right <laughs> she doesn't get it no um so there that's done hi Susie. nice to nice thanks for listening and thanks for retweeting and uh, uh spreading the word about Very phil rosenthal nice. on, uh, nice. on the writer's Good. block phil of course uh the i guess we you would say co-creator of everybody loves raymond i would never say that because i created that damn show it was you were the creator yes. flat out it's based okay. on ray's it says sure. by the way at the end of the show it says based on the stand-up comedy of yeah ray. right but even that's not true it's based on his actual life sure yeah yeah he took his actual situation in twin boys right the daughter the parents lived but he talked by. a lot about that in his act absolutely yeah but we really went to his actual life I wonder, like, now, when they decided to put that on there, yeah. based on the stand-up comedy, did yeah. you say, like, maybe we should say it's life? Did they say stand-up comedy for a reason? Because they wanted to know it was going to be funny or something like that? Probably. It's, it just seemed like every comedian who had a show had that. Yeah. Right. Roseanne, mm -hmm. right? Even though I think her act was based on her real life, too. Yeah, yeah, sure. It doesn't matter. I didn't care. But, the you know, I wrote the pilot. And whatever I didn't By know, yourself. yeah, whatever I didn't know about him and his family filled in with characters from my family. And right. I had to create a world and a situation that would that would play on TV. Well, I definitely saw a taste of that in uh, exporting Raymond. Wait. Yeah, you got with the, your folks. Was great the part with the uh, with them on the computer. Was they're so the best good. thing in the movie. Who knew? So good. Who knew? There are a lot of good things in that movie. I Thank want to get you. to that. I'd like to talk sure. a little bit to build up to it first. Of it all. needs a build up. Yeah, okay. It needs a big, like, I would give it 20, 25 minutes. 20, Build that's, up that's good. Until we get to that. All right, all right. Okay. Uh, first of all, let me explain um, 
but I think you're fairly familiar with it. You said you listened to the uh, the Mike Reese. Interview. Love that. I love him. He, yeah, he's what great. great stories and great insight into that show. I could have gone on for a very long time. Absolutely. I think anyone listening to this should stop this and go listen to it. <laughs> You heard it here first, but then come back to this. No, I don't care. You should, that's very <laughs> good. I can't tell you how this is going to be, but that is very, very good. At the end, we'll revisit the idea of okay. whether or not they should watch this <laughs> okay. or listen to this. But that'll be at the end, so what What difference does it make? All right, listen. Maybe I can time, edit it and people, bring it back up. You, you, you have my advice. You, you can either go with a pig and a poke or... Or, or, <laughs> or a golden goose. Exactly. Mike Reese. It is an excellent episode. I was very happy. I I was thrilled to sit down and have that conversation with, you know, this this is the the only show I know of that was going the whole time we've been on the air. You know, I know. And so and was, before, yeah, and before, and it just the and very after, idea of it is astonishing probably. that he's been there the whole time is just completely nuts. You know, a lot of people are sort of journeymen in this business. They yes. move around from show to show. You meet a lot of people. You learn a lot of systems, and you learn a lot about how to put shows together. Right. <clears throat> something I never had an advantage of doing, and it's one of the things that I just wanted to learn about. That's why I started doing this. So this is just because you have this interest? Yes. Because you love finding out about yes. comedy and comedy people? Well, some of it is, uh, uh, a lot of it is because I've been only at The Daily Show, so and I've basically been kind of sequestered from the business there, happily so. So you're networking. I'm, I have a card for you, I have you, no yes. job for you. <laughs> Come on, Bill. I don't have a job for me. I need you. Okay. <laughs> I'd hire you right away. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. And I have that on tape, by the way. I would. That's going to be my opening. Yes. All I need is a job for me first. So you didn't start out to write comedy, per se, or you did? I did. I started out as a comic. Did right. you not also in New York? Were you a tiny you, bit. You I tried it one stand-up. night at open mic, but I was like a comic actor. I okay. preferred to be in something that was written already. Well, you did that in college, no? Did you yes, study? Yes, a lot. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, I didn't know when I'm, when you're a kid, you don't know there's writing and directing and producing. You watch the honeymooners like me, and you want to be them. Right. So that's what I try to do, because I speak at classes and things like that. And sure. I, I okay. tell I tell everybody the same thing, which is to take a class, to take a, a writing class, because you can you can't learn how to be funny. I'm sure you've discovered that from people who've come through your world, but you can learn the structure. Right. Like if it was my first day at the Daily Show, you'd have to explain to me. The format and how it works and the type of jokes that we do and the type of jokes that we don't do. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in any place of business. you got to know where the kitchen is and where the coffee is and what we do at lunch and how long lunch is. It, these are just rules. And so there are rules for writing sitcoms. It's, it's a structure. It's, like a, it's, almost, it's very specific, almost like a haiku. Over the years, have you? I assume you've read, you know, how to write a sitcom books. There are a lot of them out there. Is there one that you think is uh, particularly good at this point? I wrote one. Well, there you I go. Wrote, That's the I mean, one. It's called "You're Lucky, You're Funny." It's about my journey, but within that journey is how I learned how to do this. Now, I didn't take a formal class or read a formal book. I had a friend right. who Alan Kirschenbaum, who passed away this year. Uh, he taught me in ten minutes the structure. Of a sitcom. Uh-huh. I can tell you right now okay, what yeah. it is. Yeah. It's very easy. Right. The mo- There's three important elements in the structure of a sitcom. And the most important is the premise. What is this about? Okay, that's number one. Number two is actually the act break. And the reason that's important is because it's the tent pole in the center of the show. All the action rises to it. And all the action of the second act comes from it. Right. The act break is where we go to commercial, right? So a typical act break line is, we're getting married. Ah. Everything, everything led up to that. Yeah. We're getting married, commercial, 
can't gotta come back. Right. Gotta see what happens. Now the second act, all the action is falling from that. What's gonna happen with that? And the third most important thing is the conclusion. Was it worth driving all this way for this? For this ending, right? And hopefully right. it's strong. So really, what are those three things? Premise, beginning, act break, middle, conclusion, end. And, and it's the basis of every story. Not particularly a surprise. Yeah. Not a surprise, but that's it. And in a sitcom, you have 22 minutes to do that. Right. The best ones have the strongest premise, act break, and conclusion. It's just a fact. So like if we go to Seinfeld, for instance, to me, the strongest episode of that show was the contest. Uh-huh. Remember that? Carol Liefer. Did she write that? Yeah. Okay. And the reason it was the strongest is because it wasn't four separate stories uh, that meet up at the end. Uh-huh. It was their four stories joining together in one. Right. Yes, the premise was fantastic. It was, you know, who, who, who's going who to hold off from masturbating. Right. Yeah. Who can last the longest. And so that's titillating and great and funny in and of itself. But the execution of it was, I think, also their best. Because all four characters were, were essential to the central story. And so it had a very strong beginning, middle, and end. You know, what, what I love about, uh, um, about the good episodes of, yeah. uh, of, of good sitcoms is also when what's happening so clearly advances the character development. Yes. And well, you learn something new about you them. You learn something yeah. new about them and it fits into what yes. is going on and it all fits in. With that episode in particular was great because they all had their different temptations. That's right. And they were and all the temptations caused different kinds of grief for them. Jerry's dating yet another girl who's a virgin and he yep. can't have sex with her. Yep. Um the, you know the 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 dream comes true for Elaine because she gets in an aerobics class with John John. Fantastic. The you know Kramer all he has to do is see a girl across the street and I'm he's out. out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. The and, greatest. And then with George, he's, he has to visit his mother in the hospital, and they're getting the sponge baths. It was hilarious. hilarious. That, part, that was my favorite part of it was just, you know, you watch the early episodes, and you see them still working on their characters. Yeah. And, that, and that's a very common thing. Yeah. But there's a very stark difference between the first couple of years of Seinfeld and the last ones. That's when right. they were all super comfortable, they really got to be the unbelievably good actors that they are. And when he's there building up, and watching them and trying to get the angle on them of the girls like doing the sponge bath Incredible. was so good. Funny as hell, but yet still in the world of believable and relatable. Yeah, that's right? interesting. So that's important. Well, so that, yeah, I think you, that's you, important. It, so when you, first of all, how did you get the the job, or did you create it for yourself to create the show? And how how did how is it that Ray did not want to essentially be in on it? I was a, a, a writer. I worked on lots of uh, terrible shows uh, for a few years before uh, getting to work on a show called Coach. Great for, show. For Barry I loved yeah, Coach. Very yeah. nice. And during my third year there, I got a tape of a comedian who had been struggling for 12 years to try to get on Letterman. And from that one six-minute appearance on Letterman. Letterman said there should be a show for this guy. They set about looking on for... On the air? When after not on the air, but oh, okay. right after mm -hmm. his people called Ray and asked if So was it a Worldwide Pants? That was a Worldwide Pants It was production. a Worldwide okay. Pants HBO co-production right, right. for network television. Right. And the network was CBS because that's where Letterman is. Mm -hmm. So that's how that happened. Two little companies. Wasn't that early on in Worldwide Pants or was he already doing his own show? He had done a couple... I think he had already tried the Bonnie... Hunt show, perhaps? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a sitcom? She's so good. but She's fantastic. Yeah, right. 
but for whatever reason that didn't work out. There was another right. show with two like old timey comedians that might have been shot in black and white. Do you remember what I'm talking no. about? It was like an old vaudeville team or something. I don't remember, but that didn't go. Mm-hmm. And there was no reason to think this would go, except that he believed in Ray. Right. And they liked what else I had written. I went to Letterman for uh, an interview. I had to go interview with him to get the job. Really? Yeah. And that was Or to get the job of writing this up. Exactly. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to get the gig. They were interviewing lots of people whose Uh scripts they had read and liked. So they liked mine enough to be, I guess, be one of the finalists to go to New York. And you, oh, Dave. you wrote a pilot for them to read about? No, about, I had written, oh, this is a separate. I had this is not the Raymond Coach, script. and I had written a spec script on my own. I think right. for Frasier. Uh huh. I didn't meet Ray. I didn't know who Ray was. Okay. And and I, I met him briefly. Uh, we had lunch, and we hit it off pretty well. I thought. I don't even think I was his first choice, but we got along well enough. I don't think he could get his first choice. A guy from Friends, maybe. Uh huh. And uh. So Ray signed off on me first, and then Dave wanted to meet me. So I flew to New York, and I went after the taping. I saw him upstairs. Have you ever met him? He's got his... I uh, stood next to him. I was on the show once. You were? What'd you yeah. do? Stand-up. Oh, great. Oh, it was a highlight of my stand I should have stopped then. <laughs> <laughs> when was this? 96. Wow. Mm-hmm. And he came out afterwards. Yeah. Stood next to me. Yeah. I, I told him my mother wanted me to say hi, and then... Next thing I know, the music stopped and he was gone, and, that, and somebody's shuffling me off over this way. He's and not a social it. butterfly. I he's not. Mean, the, yeah. He's not. We didn't. We, he didn't invite me to lunch. Well, to listen to this, I go. I go up there, and I'm nervous because it's David Letterman, and I'm a fan like everybody else. Right. And I go, and uh, I go upstairs. I think the sixth floor, and it's after the show, and he's hanging out by his office. He's got a, the baseball hat, sweatshirt, smoking a cigar, glasses, yeah. sneakers, very cash. He says, "Come on in." And we come in. And when you go in his office, the desk is facing the wrong way. In other words, like if you come in this office, this is the man's desk and it's facing the door. His is turned away from the door. So you come in behind the desk and he gestures for me to sit behind the desk. He says, have a seat. I say, not behind the desk. He said, absolutely behind the desk. So I sit there, right? And he's sitting at the desk facing the other way at this point? And he sits over there, I'm pointing to my right, leaning in a chair against a bookcase with a uh, stereo blasting, and I'm not exaggerating, blasting heavy metal music. What? Yes. <laughs> two of his crazy. other Two of his other producers come in, and they sit across from me here. You're, so you're sitting actually at his desk. I'm there. Okay. Wow. Okay? It's really weird. I also, it's winter, and I have a winter coat, which no one has offered to take from me, so it's draped over my arms still. And I assume you're rifling through his drawers at this point. Well, the first thing I said was, uh, first thing I'd like to do is throw you all the hell out of my office. <laughs> did you say that? I did. Great. And, Perfect. Uh, you know, he kind of, the comedy people, you notice, they don't let, you're very generous, but they don't laugh much. They kind of go, huh. You well, know, that's like, good, though. A little you nod, at least a little that. nod, the cigar, a little, huh. Yeah. Like, uh, I see, you're, okay, you're in the club, all right. <laughs> all right. And he's leaning back, and I mean, the music is deafening. Oh, that's so wild. So I have to, we're talking like this. And no one is even suggesting maybe we turn the music down, and it's not my house, so I can't say. Right. Can we turn it down? Isn't that is weird? It some kind of weird test going on? I thought the whole thing was a weird test. I thought right. the whole, and they were perfectly pleasant to me, other than that. I thought the whole thing was some test, like, 
let's see if he loses his shit if we ask him to sit behind the desk and blast this music or is he <laughs> someone who can what else could it be? muddle what? through any situation right. the nervousness of being with dave yeah the loud music the sitting behind the desk and the people ask and he goes so uh, how do you see the show and the music's still playing blasting <laughs> heavy metal you're kidding me. That's no. so crazy. It's like a, this is the worst restaurant you've ever been in. You can't oh, wait to go. Wow. But the whole thing was 20 minutes. They couldn't have been nicer. I didn't have a lot to say about what the show. I just met Ray. I said, I met Ray. He seems great. Uh, I would base it on his personality and make that the center of the show, that persona. I want to highlight that persona. That's a non-answer. I mean, it's just like... Not, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't it's a, seem like a bunch. It's, I didn't have anything. I didn't right. know we haven't spoken yet about what the... Neither of us knew what the show would be. Right. And that's all I could say at the time. Well, it seemed to be good enough. They treated me as if I had the job already. I didn't know this was the audition. Right. Later, I found out, congratulations, you got the job. Oh, wow. Okay, so now... The job of creating the pilot. The job of writing a pilot, yes. Right. So I sit with Ray and we, we talk about what the show could be. Now, how long has Seinfeld been on at this point? This would have been 96 also. When you did it? 90, 95. So, okay. yeah, we went on in 96. So this would have been 90, end of 95, right? Yeah. And Seinfeld's been on a couple of years. A couple of years. But and by the way, that's the show, do, that's the kind of show that Ray would like to do. Yeah. Well, every comedian would like sure, to do yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ray, really, he's become an, one of the world's great experts in doing sitcoms but at the time he had no idea what what it was in fact he he actually said does there have to be a story every week oh can't we just sit in the diner and make jokes uh-huh. okay. about current events and things i said that's perfectly fine for the show that's doing that right yep. now <laughs> it's <laughs> it's also not where i'm about. from it's not where what i can do Mm-hmm. You might need somebody else because I can't. I couldn't write that show if I wanted to. I grew up on the Honeymooners, Mary Tyler Moore, Taxi, yeah, uh, all these shows, All in the Family, Dick Taxi, Man, which by the way, yes, was a was an amazing thing to hear from um, from Mike Sam Reese Simon at twenty four running that show. That's crazy, insane. But he did have Ed Weinberger and Jim Brooks. It wasn't right. Like, yeah, yeah. But he, he right, right. I mean, I mean he's are, not he's not the only guy running the yes. place. But to be in any. To, just to, by the way, yeah. just to be in that company, yeah, yeah, you're sure. learning a lot, right, right, and right. it couldn't. That's one of the and best shows ever show, on television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these was the show I valued. This was a story-driven, character-driven show, not you're only as good as your last joke, uh-huh. right? This right. was this was real characters and real situations to hang on to, and this is what I knew, and this is what I value. So I'm, I explain this to Ray, and he says, "Okay, I guess." So we still don't know what the show is, so. We start to talk, and I say, tell me about your life. He goes, well, I have twin boys, an older daughter. Uh, Parents live close by. They're always bothering me. My brother's older than me. He's a police sergeant. He touches every bite of food to his chin before he eats it. When he was done talking, I said, well, I I think think there's anything there we can use. (laughs) (laughs) That's just nothing interesting. Took everything from that, and what I didn't know, uh, threw in the personalities of my family. Right. Which you saw in the movie. That's really who they are. Yeah. Um, and I had to, I worked very hard to create that pilot story. What would that pilot story be? Right. So and how, so now you're starting out on that. This, this, this yeah. is an interesting thing that I yeah. fail to ask a lot of people. Yeah. So now you, you know what you want to, you know, you, you know, you know, a lot of the characters, Yeah. you know, kind of what you want the show to be about in general. 
I want it to be about family and the trouble that family that a guy who's caught in the middle between his wife and his parents, right? Right. And Which it, he kind of explained to you a little bit. Right away you it get worked. right away you get that this is a guy caught in the middle right. of being a, a son, a father, a brother, you know. Yeah. A kid. It's all he's in the and the just guy hanging the on by a thread on each one of those roles. All he wants to do and it may be antithetical to the protagonist in a story is he wants to be left alone. <laughs> Right, but I found that if you had enough action going on around him, he could be that center. Uh huh. He could be that guy, and he was really good at being that. Oh yeah. Well, we didn't know if he could act. So now you, um, right? And uh, sometimes they can't, but then they get they're good enough, and then they get better. I mean, well, I learned from watching with... uh, Roseanne. Uh huh. Nobody knew if she could act, so what they did was they surrounded her with the best actors yeah. they could possibly right. find. So right. that's what I tried. To yeah. Do. And beyond that, I thought, let's make him the guy at the center of his actual family life so that he wouldn't have to act too much. It's already acting because you're on TV. Yeah, you're familiar so with these So don't situations. make him the gay astronaut from Cleveland. Make him a guy in the... And I made him a sports writer. Why? Because comedian was already taken, mm-hmm. right, by uh, was he Seinfeld. Sports? And he loves sports. Okay. And it's as male as you can get. Right. Right? And still have a hint of creativity. Right. By the way, the sports um, writing. Uh, in, in, a, in a month or two, I'm going to um, send you a spec script about uh, um, a, a gay astronaut from Cleveland. I'm there for you. <laughs> Look I for that. It. I do it. Look right, for that. We'll that, make it happen. I'm looking at you as the lead. <laughs> really? Wait a minute. I, did I give off that vibe? You give that off astronaut a very vibe? strong astronaut vibe. <laughs> Get it? Yep. All right. We'll end it. So then you have to sit down and, and the challenge is to find a story where you're going to be able to establish all those things that you just got done talking about somehow. Yes, very difficult. And right. I even pitched a few things to the network, and they started to get nervous because they didn't like my pitches for stories. Okay. In fact, at one point, the guy says, I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe you can't do this. Said it to you. Said it to me, network oh, guy. God, fuck, so yes. hard. And you know what? I, I believed him. Well, Maybe yeah, I can't. Right. It's hard. It gets got in your head whether you like it or but not. But I was getting notes from a lot of people yeah. and a lot of ideas. And finally, I just went off on my own and I thought of a very, very simple story, which was what if it's her birthday and she doesn't want the parents coming over? Uh-huh. Now he has to tell his parents. That's her birthday present is for his, his parents not his, to come not over. Not to come. How does he do that? But they know it's her birthday. Absolutely. Yeah. And they always come. They always come. Because they're across the street, so they come right. to everything. Yeah. And she's just had enough. How so this is a, this is a perfect kind of you get the entire series from that one situation. Yeah. And then what what uh, um and then you have to figure out then what what about the brother? You want to get him in. So of course. This, it says he work at, whose side is he on? Does That's he a remain very neutral? Good question. He's always gonna be against Raymond. Because he's because jealous. Everybody loves Raymond. Raymond. Yes. <laughs> yes. The whole thing comes from his point of so view. So he loves he, he, if anything, is going to do everything he can to get the parents to go so that he can look at Raymond and say, you lost. By the way, that very thing, the title, Everybody Loves Raymond, is something that the brother, that Ray's actual brother said to Ray when his brother, who really is a cop, saw Ray's Cable Ace Award for comedy. He says, it never ends for Raymond. Look at this. Everybody loves Raymond. I go to work, people shoot at me. <laughs> Ray goes to work, people do the wave, right? So my wife read this. I, 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 knew, a, I knew that his brother had actually said that. He really said that. I didn't and know the I, context. I wrote that in the, put it in the pilot. 
And I hadn't named the pilot. It was unnamed pilot. Oh, it was wow. Ray Romano Project. Okay, yeah, sure. And my wife read that, laughed, and said, that's the name of the show. And Fantastic. I realized I love that because it's a point of view. Yeah. It's the brother. It's so character-specific. The brother is jealous of Raymond. It works as uh, I Love Lucy as a classic title, but it also tells you everybody loves Raymond, so no problem there, right? No careful what you wish for if everybody loves you you sure that's not true but it also spoke to me because i had the younger cuter brother that everybody loved so i in fact was robert's point of view i have to tell you something yes i only came here to ask you to get me an interview with him. with my brother <laughs> god damn it it's still 50 years later i'm sorry to do it i didn't know how else to do this i'll never get over it um so i i I just identified with that feeling, and I also identified with being Ray as well, with the, having the parents. You know, uh -huh. even though my parents live 3,000 miles away, the metaphor of them living across the street is real. Yeah, they it never, still seemed like it. They're never out of your life. Right. I, it's not. It's always. And something really happened to me where I sent my parents for Hanukkah, the, a gift of the fruit of the month club yeah and i got this actual phone call from my mother that like i had sent her a box of heads from a murderer she couldn't believe that the fruit was going to keep coming and it was such a burden you know i can't talk anymore there's too much fruit in the house so <laughs> i put that scene, what am i supposed to do with all this fruit exactly i put that scene in the pilot yeah well don't you know that's the scene that people talked about because it was very very specific and yet very relatable i didn't realize i thought you would look at this scene and say oh they're crazy that's funny they're crazy what I didn't realize was I have the same thing with my family. I can't, it's like a universal truth. I can't give my parents yeah. a gift without it blowing up in my face. Yeah, I guess sometimes or you, nothing's good enough. Or, or you try to do the right thing by your parents, you never can. I mean, and your, 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 your goal is to, is to create something that is relatable to a lot of people. Yes. I mean, you, 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 you don't, you, you, you want that to happen. Yes. But you never know if that's going to happen. Right. But the thing that I like about that, it's another thing with that with that Fruit of the Month Club thing and, and how they react to it. Yes. Is such a great, clean, organic way to establish character. Right. And that's that's what, um, you know, when you watch a lot of pilots, they, they won't establish that characteristic of oh. that character that way, that cleverly. Because they'll do it vague. over you. They'll hit you or they'll hit you over the head with yes. like, oh, my, you're so picky and can't do this or that. Instead of letting it unfold in front of you so that you see it and you know that you and then you can say like, oh, she's like Aunt Shirley. Exactly. But it's the specificity that I learned mm -hmm. is what makes it universal. If you try to be vague and try to hit everybody, you miss everybody. Right. But if you zero in on what specifically like what really happens, right, or could really happen. People relate to that. People, so, so all our lives we deal in little petty specific things, right? So even if you're specific with your mother having done something isn't mine, I relate to it because there is a specific thing that my mother does. Does that make sense? Right. You're, there's a, spe a specificity and it, it happens, I see it. We, we look at movies where comedies that are shot in India and we see the Indian mom and we go, oh my God, that's, that's funny. It's different from mine, but I get it. Well, now this is an interesting transition into Exporting Raymond. Yeah. Which was a documentary that you made um, documenting your effort to get 
Everybody Loves Raymond made in Russia, or they had already decided they were going to do it and had you over for help. I'm not exactly sure what the... That is what happened. Sony invented the sitcom in Russia. It didn't exist until Sony brought the nanny over there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it was it it was a huge hit. And so Michael Linton... As it is apparently around the world. It was huge. And the it nanny. makes sense because it's 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 an easy setup. Yes. For, for any culture. Although, by the way, in Russia, they didn't have butlers. Butlers don't exist. So they didn't know if that character worked as a character of a butler in the nanny. Right. So did they change that? Nope. They tried it. They threw it in. People accepted it. No questions asked. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, Michael Linton says, but the people over there, they they come from the world of soap operas and science, and they never had a so, uh, sitcom before. Would you like to go over, the, go over and observe how we work with these people and then come back and write a feature fictional comedy about a showrunner who goes to have a show translated over there. Right. I said, if the situation really exists, why not bring a camera crew over and film what would really happen? If these people are there, why don't we film them? He said, I love that. Would you do your show over there? And then it took two years to see if, number one, they wanted the show. They did. And number two, Sony's policy is to have somebody who was involved at the original to protect their investment in doing it, mm -hmm. supervise it and show them how to do it. So I was told that's what my so job you was going to be. You, you weren't the first American off the no. boat to go tell them, no. to go help them do this stuff. No, they did Married with Children. They did, uh, and that was a big hit. And they did uh, Golden Girls. That wasn't a big hit in Russia. You know why? Because there is no nice, sunny place in Russia for the old ladies to go. To retire. So they couldn't relate to that. Yeah, right. So Raymond, they didn't know if it was going to work funny. or not. But they're sending me over just in case. Nobody minded if we filmed, and we filmed the whole process. Yeah, and it's and it was, it was really entertaining. It's very fascinating. Thank There's you. a bunch of stuff in it. There were characters that were the characters were great, and it's not the kind of characters that you can create. They just you and you don't know. And how much does that help you when when all these characters that are in your documentary provide you with characters that you weren't expecting? I mean, the that your driver was a great character yeah. and so deep. Yeah. The depth of his character Amazing, was just right? the way it unfolded. And when you guys were walking through the, the, the outside museum, yeah. just amazing stuff. And yeah. then the whole thing about what happened to him. I don't know how much of that you actually knew or not. You know, there's some trickery. I didn't trickery. know anything. So, I didn't know anything. Everything you see is how it happened. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's, so you still don't know I whether, what cried. happened to this guy. I almost cried. Yeah. So I, I uh, have to admit. When he told me, uh, well, first the, the, at the outdoor museum, when he told me how young right. he was and how he killed a man yeah. and how... And how deeply that affected him. But then, not to give too much away, if people want to see the movie, something happens where I can't, I don't see him. Right. And I don't know what happened. And you get a new driver. Yeah. Uh, I still don't know. Wow, how about that? So, yeah. Because so, how do you ask? Yeah, so we don't have to get into yeah. that because that is definitely something you would want to but watch. But it's a Russian mystery. But then the costume lady, that's the a good character. The costume lady was great. So there's this costume lady who was just, to me, struck me as just the epitome of a modern Russian woman mm -hmm. who probably spent every dime she had on the fanciest clothes that she could, she could find in the, in the local mall. Yeah, for and her the, and the, her dogs. And her dogs. And wanted to dress up the cast like they were going to a to a dinner party every yes. fucking day. Yeah. That was what was interesting to me about this was you had this struggle yeah. to get them to do things a certain way that you yes. thought were the way that were natural. And oftentimes that's that struggle that you had, the reasons they didn't want to do it, yeah. they claimed were true, but were really not true. 
well, I didn't want to be this ugly American who just expected my way. I really wanted them to do a show that would relate to Russians. I didn't want them to do our show. Uh-huh. I wanted it to be as relatable to Russians as it was to me. I just couldn't believe that they didn't have similar issues. Like, we're all still human beings. Right. Your parents, don't they bother you? Don't. I, I actually heard from people. It's in the movie. Uh, people are not interested in relationships with the parents. Yeah, right. I don't believe that. No. Do you? No. Uh, Russian men are strong, and Ray's character is a wimp, and that's not the Russian man. Sounds a lot to me like bullshit, doesn't it? I sounds mean, it's like, a- it sounds like typical bullshit, and that that was actually one of the funny ones because that was the head writer yeah. who said that to you. Yeah. And uh, um, then, it's, then it's I don't know how long the- after that it was, yeah. but then you were outside, and you wanted to talk to people. Yeah. And the old couple walks by. That's right. And you want to talk to the man, and it seems he's going to turn around. He's going to talk to you about yeah. something. Yeah. And the the woman says, "No, don't talk to them. You don't talk with your mouth full." And he he goes away. And he goes away. He gets dragged off like a dog. Like a it's wife. Like, wait a minute. That's, that's there's exactly, proof positive that <laughs> I just left that yeah. at my parents' yeah. house. Yeah. Right. I just left that. I mean, that, you know, in those kind of things, I'm sure you had a lot of footage, so you see something like that. I mean, I would imagine that's the kind of thing you leave in there to prove, wait a minute, I can easily question this other... But, by the way, proved it again. I went to that family at the end. Yeah, right. So it's a typical family. It's like my family. Yeah. They, exactly like my family, except for one thing. Their parents could use the computer. Yeah, they could. Right? That was the only difference. That was funny, your reaction. I got to see this. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have them Skype with your parents, and they get to the point where they honestly, I mean, you, that's, they, it was like a sketch. It was literally like a sketch. Your parents couldn't ask for thought better. that their computer had turned off, their faces are still on there, and they're arguing about the fact that they can't see or hear us anymore, but you can see and hear them. And it. they can see and hear you, I love probably, it. but I couldn't put the two together. <laughs> no, I think what happened was we went away for them. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, but right. we could still see and hear yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Max, I told you not to touch anything. (laughs) God bless them. What a great line. I would have paid actors to do that. Oh, you couldn't... But that's the whole point of everything, right? We're all the same. We're all... And and here's what I think the the blowback I was getting from the Russians. Uh There's a difference between not understanding something and not wanting to understand. And I think where they're coming from is they don't need Americans coming over there and telling them how they should do something, right? right. So I think that's some of the right. resistance I right. was getting. By the way, the real point of the movie is for all the craziness that I got and all the notes about how, you know, I wouldn't dress like that, but I want her to dress like that. Right. Get that same crap here. That's what I was curious about. Show business is yeah. everywhere. That's, I'm so glad you said that because I was, and we talked a little bit about your developing Raymond here in the uh-huh. first place and the guy saying to you, I don't think you know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And, so I got that the whole yeah. first year. And and getting notes about yeah. what they should be wearing. So, yeah. I mean, so when you watch the movie, you get the vibe like this is this is something you've never dealt with in your life. I mean, I mean whether or not that was your purpose yeah. of it. Because it was an interesting thing to have to deal with. Certainly not but, with, not on after Raymond was successful, I didn't have to deal with no, that. No, no, no. But you don't mention in the movie, I think, anything about, I went through the same trouble at the beginning of Raymond. Mm-hmm. I don't think you say that line in there. I do say that it, the business is the same everywhere. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I th- that might be when the executives come yes. to the pictures when you, when you talk about that, right? Yes. But I was wondering whether or not it was literally like a checklist of the same kind of stuff that you were dealing with on a slightly different level. A developing the there's developing certainly an show. equivalent yeah there is there really is I could show you a head of comedy 
that works in a major network here that's just as dour as the guy I met there as head of comedy. Yeah, there's a character who is uh, the head of comedy then, I think the voiceover is, though he didn't really look like it or something like that. Like a head of comedy. He didn't look like a head of comedy. I I swear I could show you the same people. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's Um, a show on called uh, Episodes, which is my movie in reverse. British uh, uh, comedy writers come here to have their British show translated in America. And what the Americans do is a British show. Same idea. And you know that happens all the time. There's yes. a lot of shows on. There are a lot of shows on that are now British appara- translation. Apparently, the hottest country you can come from here is Israel. Really, uh, the for American television? networks for some reason they're buying everything Israel. Hmm. Homeland was an Israeli show. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, In treatment was Israeli. There's a bunch. I don't get Showtime, so no. I miss some some pretty good shows. Well, I Homeland think. certainly. Yeah. I'm on season three of The Wire. And Breaking Bad, you got to watch that. I know. Well, and I, I hear would. Justified, I have to watch, and I have to watch the yeah. zombie one. I can't, there's to. too many the things. The zombie one? Yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> Not to mention all the sitcoms, which is what I try to keep up on myself. What do you like now? Um, I I like, uh, uh, well, you know, I'm interviewing um, Rob Cordry, hopefully, He's later great. this week. And uh, um, so I hadn't watched Children's Hospital from the very beginning. Um, but then it's I, easy to watch. It's only 15 minutes. I know, exactly. Um, but I hadn't watched when it first came out, and then yeah. I, but I would see a few episodes, and I've been watching it a lot more. Funny, huh? It's just hilarious, and it's a great example of something you that that seems unsupervised. Uh-huh. It's like what you can do if you're good and unsupervised, and they leave you alone. Yeah, and yeah. They, and it, because it's like, how are you doing yeah. this storyline? Who's letting you do because this storyline? The, the nuts are running the yeah. asylum. Yeah, and it, and it, and they do it so well, and great. what a great cast over there. I like uh, on your mainstream stuff. I like uh, uh, Parks and Rec. I think is great. Yeah, Thirty Rock uh, was was obviously Wonderful. great. You know what just came out that I, I kind of got caught up in because I, I'll watch all the pilots and yes. then I'll just fall off of them or not. Yes, and uh, I started watching the Mindy Project. And I she was just going to say job. I, I became friendly with her this year. Yeah, because I'm such a fan. I think yeah. the show is really good. She's a unique voice. And it's really professionally done. The jokes are really smart. Yeah, and they, the characters they are. are really good. Yeah, and they and it's smooth. You know, yeah. it's not it's it's not insulting. And yeah. some things are. You know, where they're yeah. not they're they're just not good. You know, one thing that I that I that I hadn't watched again. It was like I saw a couple of episodes and then didn't watch and watched a few more because I was going to interview Mike Royce, who you work with at um, Everybody Loves Raymond. Well, he's fantastic. Was uh, um, Men of a Certain Age, which I you know when I started watching a few more episodes, I was yes. like, Good Lord, you know, this is. He, they did a really good job with Fantastic. this show. And you know, I've always loved The Simpsons. Amazing. You know, just and, amazing. Yeah. It's just a phenomenon. It's yeah. beyond what we can even compliment it on being. It's just, it's its own world. Um, there's another show called Bob's Burgers. Have you seen Bob's Burgers? Yeah. I, I think that's a great show. Uh-huh. I really like that show. I just, I just, just glommed onto the characters. The comedy shows that I don't miss are yours and Colbert. I'm not just saying that. These are the two shows that I will watch I appreciate every that. day. Every day, I love, absolutely in love, and they 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 are a public service. That, Besides you know what, being hilarious, and I, honestly, that's a, um, that's great to hear. Yeah, um, uh, and it is one of the things that's made it uh, relatively easy for me to stay there as long as I have. I, yeah. it just that it has always been a challenge. Yeah, there we've gone through many changes in the way that we do things. Yeah, uh, there have been stages to the show, so each one was a new challenge, and and uh, we're constantly. Um, uh, Seeking out ways to make the show uh, better, to yeah. make it fresh, to make it interesting, to you know, and and the best thing about working there uh-huh. is the morning meeting and the afternoon meeting. 
sitting in those meetings, having our discussions about what's going on, the stories that we can deal with, how we, how we can frame them, telling jokes every chance we get along the way. And you're laughing. We're laughing. We're having serious, interesting, mm-hmm. engaging, uh, therapeutic, honest, therapeutic, and uh, uh, and very real conversations and knowledgeable conversations about these things. It is not necessarily until we start cracking wise, which we do every chance we get. Yeah, it is beyond what you would think happens in a in a in a writer's room. Mm. Because we really do have to talk about these issues, talk about how and they're affected by the it has to be based the in the real world of and, real news. And well, you yeah. don't want to be wrong about facts. You can't be. No, and then and then showing clips of people being idiots, and then we laugh at them, and it's fun. Well, you know. what's better than that? Yeah. I mean, some of the biggest laughs are you just run the clip and then cut to his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. The um, You know, you always get submissions and stuff, and yeah. and, and sometimes they're better than others. Yeah. You've, you've probably read many, many uh, spec sure. scripts and stuff. and, and It's always make... a mistake to send your spec script for the show oh, yeah. to the show. Yeah, I think that there was a time when people didn't know that, but I can't. Yeah. I don't know anybody who do, who I've told that to, and they said, wow, really? That's interesting. I think... I think even the most, like, down-the-line people who are trying yes. to break in are fully aware of that at this point. Good. Yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah. But, uh, um... So here's my daily show script for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's how it works. Yeah. Here's yeah. the script for tomorrow. Here's the script. Well, well you know, actually, do it next week. When will you? <laughs> <laughs> so there was, there was one guy who had a submission. And our submissions are where you would write a, a headline. I've asked people... I've had people ask me to talk about this. Yeah. In a nutshell... It's really four headlines, mm-hmm. which are John at the desk doing a news yes. story. And then one or two chats, mm-hmm. which is like John and John Oliver at the desk yep. discussing in more depth an aspect of one of those headlines. Yep. And that's it. You hand that in. So there you go, listeners. Blockheads, I call yep. them. And one guy had handed one in. And one thing that he wrote on there, and, and we all have gotten a kick out of it for years and years and years, is he, he wrote this setup to this this thing and there was a the sound bite uh-huh. and he wrote in the sound bite and his the whole punchline off of that was just in parentheses in parentheses john gives knowing look and the, the funny thing was like you know you kind of got us because <laughs> he does that a lot but you don't get to do that. <laughs> we put that yeah. in. Yeah, we'll what, tell yeah. you where the knowing look comes. What, what you don't, what you don't realize is John only gave that knowing look after rejecting like seventy jokes. Great. That's great. <laughs> That's really great. And you have to take a stab at some of those. And John <laughs> usually says something after that knowing look. Oh, you gotta, you gotta have a topper for your knowing look. Nothing's gonna beat that look. Yeah, John gives slightly less knowing look. Yeah. He becomes confused. Fantastic. Runs off camera. I don't know. Um, so I thought that was really, really funny. <laughs> in lieu of joke. In lieu, in lieu of joke. Um, anything else, Phil? That uh, uh, that you can that you can lay down for the comedy writers and want to be comedy writers who are out there. I, I think if you're a writer, you take an acting class. Good or, idea. Or, or a directing class. Uh-huh. You want to come at the problem from every angle. And the more well-versed you are in the disciplines, the better everything is going to be, especially your writing, or especially your acting, or especially your directing, if that's your focus. Knowing the other branches off the tree makes the tree stronger. Being able to act out your own lines, to to know how they can be acted out, and being able to um, 
write something that can actually be done. Exactly. Because sometimes as writers, we, we think that, you know, they'll be able to do it no matter what rewrite. We can write anything. But knowing that this is going to be good because of John's knowing look, if we can actually put that in after the good joke, uh, you, have, you have a little something better there. And it's, it's not meant to be read. It's meant to be played. Right. And a little bit of that rule, or a lot of that rule, is broken in animation. Yes. Where you do, it doesn't, you can have them do whatever you want. It's all writing. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, I think it helps to know acting so that you know what face you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You want to you wanna write an expression. Yeah. And sometimes the silence is the best thing. So that's interesting. So take, you know, take the acting classes direct i don't know if they have classes for direct by the way you know what the you know what the shorthand for all of this is the the improv schools the groundlings Uh second city right these are great i i when i was an actor in new york i took the acting class where you'd sit 90 percent of the time and watch a girl get up and and string laundry across the stage in in a 20 minute setup for her scene that she then forgot the lines to and broke down crying and my father doesn't want me to be an actress anyway and then the rest of the class was her therapy and that was acting class in New York in the middle of right. February in the shithole. Yeah. Okay? So 90% of the time, until you get to go up there and have your breakdown, that was, that was acting you class. You had to watch somebody else do it. watch somebody else Sometimes do it. very poorly. Yes. Not that that doesn't help you. It doesn't. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you go into the groundlings or something like this, you're up and doing 90% of the time. You're uh-huh. on. And not only are you on, you got to think fast and commit. And these are instant writing, instant acting, instant directing. You don't have time to think. It's all instinct. And these are the best, these are the best training grounds. You know, I'm seeing more and more people, almost everybody that comes through the show, certainly the, certainly the actors yeah. that come through our show, a lot of the writers that come through our show have all been involved in improv groups at one point or another in their lives. you commit wholeheartedly really fast there's no time for bullshit right you're gonna we're gonna point this way and you're gonna drive as fast as you can in that direction but it's fascinating how that can help you write i'm not sure like it is what... because you're making choices that's all any of this is right is making choices and committing to them right right when you're an actor you're actually a writer because you write the hardest part of writing which is the internal in other words uh Here's the the line is, I'm going to the store. There's a million ways to say I'm going to the store. As an actor, you make a choice how you're going to say it. Let's say angrily. Well, now it should say in parentheses, angrily, I'm going to the store. That you just wrote the, you just wrote the attitude, which is everything. Right. It dictates the rest of the scene. If you're angry, maybe the next thing your wife is, why are you pissed at me? What did I do? You know, you know, you're writing already. Right. The other place I think is invaluable is Summerstock because you're doing major productions of proven, tested, proven shows. Uh, uh, you know, Our Town one week, uh, The Unsinkable Bolly Brown the next week, South Pacific the next week, The Passion of Dracula the next week. You're rehearsing all day. You're performing at night. You're rehearsing the next thing in the day. It's a lot like doing a television, a weekly television show. Yeah. All this stuff that you have to keep track of and do. Well, Summerstock turns out to be the perfect training ground for that. Because every week you have to come up with a whole new show. 
But not just for an actor, for the writer and for everybody. the director and the showrunner and Every, everybody. For everybody. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I recommend that too. Yeah. And classes, there's nothing wrong with them. If you're a writer and you go into a writing class, even though you don't want to be like, I, I have my own style, I don't want to be like everybody else. The writing class, the very worst thing that's going to happen to you is at the end of class, you're going to come out with a script. For better or worse, you're going to have a script. Right. Now, if you're so motivated that you don't need anything, but maybe on the, the best thing that happens is you learn something. Right. So that's it. I think that's the secret. That's the secret. Yeah. Well, also just get out there and do all those things and know that you can learn from every aspect of the business. And if you're going to run a show like you have done, yeah, it's not impossible, but it's better, obviously, to know all these things in advance because it makes it, it, makes it that much more possible. Maybe it is impossible without knowing all those things. Maybe you wouldn't have been able to do it. Well, I also had a, a real life, you know, with odd jobs and crazy stuff happening. And it wasn't just handed to me. It was 10 years of struggle after college until, you know, the writing thing even came up. But, but and then I had something to write about. Right. Because I had real life. So how can you write about real life if you don't have one? Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, live your life. It's the advice. <laughs> Jewish <laughs> enough? I'm just going to cut right to that. <laughs> the big finish. It's skip everything. Jewish enough for you people? <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Mm -hmm. That was excellent. I'm uh, uh, happy to be here. Thanks for joining us on the Writer's Block. Come anytime. I, I just might. Okay. I know where you live now. There's no way to keep me away. Well, there is. There's actually, a gate. there's a gate. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodnight, Phil. Good night, Phil. Well, there you have it. Phil Rosenthal, a happy guy, a mensch, if you will, and I think you will. I loved listening to that again. I hope you did too. Remember, we're airing new episodes every week for a while. Too many good ones in the can to just let them sit around. Monday, May 6th will be my first episode taped live in front of an audience. The writer's block will be in North Carolina for the Chapel Hill Comedy Festival, and my guest will be the one and only Louis Black. You gonna miss that? After that, we've got Megan Gans from Modern Family, Neil Brennan from Chappelle's Show, Rob Cordry from Children's Hospital. It's a runaway train, people. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at WritersBlockPod, and definitely subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss a thing. Thanks again for listening. I'm J.R. Havlin saying good night and good night. I gotta work on that sign-off. <laughs>